And I need to get like the green M&M that's in the middle. Like that's the one I'm interested in, is that green right. M&M in the middle, right? I'm not going to like be able to dig through and find that little green M&M. The fastest way for me to do it is to scoop up your entire bowl of M&Ms and then sift it through a filter, a software program, right? Sift it through until my filter, my software program pops up that green M&M that I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. Like that's the most efficient way to do it is to do giant grabs. I'm not really looking for the red M&M or the yellow M&M. I don't care about the brown M&M. Like none of that really matters to me. Mm. I'm looking for this one thing. And the best way for me to get it is to just do a grab all and sift through it. Like I'm not actually listening like nobody's listening to all those conversations. Think about like millions of conversations. There are not people out there just listening to conversations. That's not, you know, like, like I said before, right? It's How does an it work office with cubicles, <laughs> like, like office workers. Is it, you know? is it some sort of like AI that's basically like, scanning all of these phone calls and text messages looking for keywords or what is it? So I, so I, I couldn't talk about it even if I knew about it, <laughs> <laughs> but I will say that, you know, the analysis is done by analysts, human beings, right? Okay. So data, data collection is done the way any company would do data collection, right? I mean, it's just a different, a different style, but like Google collects your data, like Apple collects your data, tons of people collect your data. It's all done the same way, right? It's all pulling tons of data. In the end, it's a person, me or somebody else, that's going through that individually, you know, eight and a half hours every weekday, looking for connections, looking for information. You know, there's there's not time like we are very focused, right? Like we know who we want and we know how to get there. We are not just idly listening. You know, it's not like when you flip through YouTube and you're just idly watching people. It's not that like well, we have a job. Isn't it also true that we haven't caught any terrorists through the Patriot Act by by tapping people's phone calls? Hmm. I do not know the answer to that question. Okay. And and I will say that... Aiden, maybe you could Google it. Maybe find some uh, fake article. <laughs> <laughs> some fake Russian article. Well, I will say that I'm not... I'm not... Uh, uh, terrorists caught through the Patriot Act or tapping American phone calls, something like that. Yeah, and I will say that I'm not... I'm not saying that something shouldn't have been done about the Patriot Act, right? Mm -hmm. The Patriot Act was something that came out of 9-11 mm -hmm. for a specific purpose. And I think things like that oftentimes, right, because it was broad. So because it was broad and already in use, it's easier to just kind of keep it there. Yeah. So I'm not saying that shouldn't have been reviewed. Because I think that, you know, a policy, particularly if a policy comes out of like a time of war, that needs to be reviewed, right? Like, is it still meeting the purpose? Can we narrow it, right? So 
that's why I say, you know, I support whistleblowing, right? I support reviewing things that are already in practice because, you know, maybe something that was okay the first three years after 9-11, you know, isn't okay 10 years down the road. Maybe Mm -hmm. that's unnecessary. Maybe it's reaching too far. Maybe you do a review and you find out that it's not serving its purpose. You're not actually catching terrorists, right? I mean, the information, even if it wasn't carrying, you know, capturing terrorists, probably was good for other forms of intelligence that nobody's talking about because Mm. nobody cares. Um, doesn't have as much of a like impact when you talk about other forms of intelligence. Right. But yeah, I guess I mean the the hard part to to deal with is the fact that they use something like nine eleven and the the clever marketing of calling it the quote Patriot Act. Yeah, nigga, fuck you, nigga. Think y'all gonna scare me and tell me about what y'all gonna do to me? You rape my mama? That's man, fuck you, Muslim nigga. You nigga been pedophile for the longest. You nigga been pedophile as long as your religion been in existence, nigga. You nigga been fucking babies and boys and goats and 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 queers as long as Islam been in religion, bitch. I, I used to be one of you niggas, and I and I refused to stop eating pork. So I said, "Fuck you, niggas." Cause I, listen, I sold barbecue four years ago, and the Muslim niggas used to come through, playing like they can taste pork. So one day, I cut the motherfucking chopped beef with pulled pork and served it to Muslim niggas, unbeknownst to them. They didn't know they was eating pork. They were chewing that motherfucking pork. Them motherfucking Muslim can't tell when they taste the motherfucking pork. So I sold them nigga pork for all summer long. Yeah, nigga, now sue me. Yeah, I sold pork till I cut the chopped beef with pulled pork all summer long and not one goddamn Muslim could tell the difference. Because all them bitches is sneaking and eating pork. Or if they ain't eating pork, they suck pussy so they taste buds is thrown off to the pork. Yeah, them I, I feel good sneaking and selling them niggas $10 chopped beef sandwiches with that pulled pork cut up in it, nigga. Straight disrespecting you, nigga. Yeah, get mad about that, nigga. I did that five years ago. Bitch ass nigga. Yeah, go try to skirt me on the internet. All you niggas trying to skirt me on the internet. Catch a plane, nigga, and show up in person and make everybody in the city say, say, them niggas out of New York City looking for you, nigga. Say, it's the niggas out of California asking about you. Do that, nigga, bad motherfucker. Make Farrakhan have a million man march down here. He ain't done nothing in a while, no way, for he getting too old anyway. Yeah, he getting too old. And Facebook don't want to hit a motherfucker. Y'all don't know what to do. You can't listen to him. Yeah, we sick of that old nigga anyway. We want to hear from NBA young boy. Don't nobody want to hear shit from Farrakhan. We want to hear from Fujiano. We don't want to hear shit from no goddamn Muslim, nigga. You nigga can't rap. <laughs> yeah, you nigga stick to providing security at the funerals 
and, and shaking down rappers. But don't nobody want to hear shit no nigga talking about thumping no Quran. Nigga, we want to hear from Lil Baby. We don't want to hear from you bitch ass Muslim nigga. So shut up, Farrakhan. Don't go inside and talk. Don't come out here and talk. It's a new day, Farrakhan. And don't nobody want to hear no shit about no spaceship. Go come rescue all us niggas. If a spaceship come right now, I ain't getting on no motherfucking spaceship with no Muslim nigga. I don't trust no Muslim. Mother didn't trust you nigga. I don't trust no nigga that don't eat bacon. And all our life, we was trained and brought up to eat bacon. Any nigga don't eat bacon and suck pussy is an oxymoron to me. Period point blank. I nigga gonna give up bacon instead of putting his motherfucking head between the whole leg and suck up pussy. Nigga, fuck you, nigga. And all you niggas do it. All you Muslim niggas do it. Go quit the pole and suck the pussy. You stupid. You dumb. You ignorant. Fuck you. And fuck your religion, nigga. Yeah, nigga, it's funny to me. It's funny to me. <laughs> yeah, and I don't believe none of you niggas is bad enough to come do nothing to me and let the world see that y'all pussies to the white boy. Y'all didn't do nothing for Tamir Rice. Y'all didn't do nothing for Breonna Taylor. You bitch-ass niggas, Muslim niggas, didn't do nothing for Breonna Taylor. Y'all didn't do nothing for Eric Garner. Y'all let the white boy choke the big old nigga out. The big old nigga got his hands up. He's supposed to have been throwing elbows. This old big nigga. Bigger than he was, he let the little bitty white boy jump on his back. Them ain't the kind of nigga we are down here. Them ain't the kind of niggas we are. We ain't just laying now. George Floyd is in Indianapolis. He just laid there and let the nigga put his knee on his neck. Nigga, fishes flop out of water. You ever seen a fish when you get him in the boat? He flopping like a motherfucker. He want to get back in the water. Fuck, that nigga didn't want to live. Don't fiend that nigga. That's a dope fiend, ain't it? The nigga died with fentanyl in the system. And the best thing could have happened to him is for him to die. The nigga left his daughter 20 million. That nigga could have lived to be 100 years old. He wouldn't have been able to leave his daughter 20 million. He couldn't have never been able to leave his pretty little daughter 20 million. They done that baby a favor. He wasn't shit. The nigga was in and out of jail. The nigga kicked in a door, boom. That nigga kicked in a motherfucking door. And put a gun to a black woman's belly while she was pregnant, robbing them. How you know that ain't his fate? He wasn't trying to redeem that. He went to making porn with white bitches. The nigga was a porn star. What's like this? So, let me tell you something, Stack Five. Basketball playing ass nigga. Big old tall nigga. Fuck your brother, nigga. And fuck you too, nigga. Say, listen, if he was your brother or he was your nigga, 
What in the fuck that nigga was doing downtown in Indianapolis with a fake $20 bill? You must have loved that nigga that much. Nigga, I got some people I can go get $20 for, nigga. And I ain't got to go try to pass no $20 bill with no dope fiend nigga and no dope fiend bitch. That or started the process or whatever. Now's the best time in the world to go in and make a deal and patch things back up at the bank, okay? All right, now's the and, time. All right. Uh, the um, what was I going to say? That, that well, the three one of the properties might be going. Let's say what happens if it, if it goes through a foreclosure. What should I do from there? You know, then you got to try to fight the foreclosure, and she ain't gonna have much of a leg to stand on because all this happened before the COVID. Listen, right. whatever the case, the point is this: you're gonna get a lot further trying to play with the bank than fight with the bank. All right? Now's the time. Now's the perfect time to go in there and make a deal. There could be some kind of assistance available for her. The bank might be able to give her a sweetheart deal and refinance it if there's equity in the house. Uh, they might require you to put some money up. Whatever. You got to go in and make a deal. It's not, nothing's gonna, nothing good's going to happen. Let him sit there if you want. I don't care. Let him sit there if you want. Anyway, the point <laughs> is we got a two-year-old here. Uh, right. The point is you got to get in there and make a deal. And, you know, when you have a problem, you have to fix it. All right? That's, 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 that's all right. there is to it. You need to get a hold of both of those banks and saying, okay, you know, my aunt's elderly. I'm here to try to work with you. You know, bring her with you or get her permission. Whatever it is, get in there and find out what's the best deal the bank is willing to make her right now. All right? Now, do it. Don't waste oh, no time. It's a perfect Most time. Most properties are worth for a, about $3 million. Holy shit. How much does she owe? How much does she owe? She owes about almost close to whatever the value is because she took money out of the house. So is there any equity in it? How much does she owe? Does she owe three million? Maybe like two and a half. Well, what you doing all the damn money? Where'd all the money go? Um, I don't know. You don't know. I wish you told me. You don't know where two and a half million bucks went. <laughs> anyway, listen. You know, is your is your aunt? It's my grandmother. Your grandmother. All right. You got to step in and take control. This, it is what it is. Listen, you know, you, you go to the bank and say, listen, I, I want to hear help my grandmother. You know, she went through rough times, whatever. I don't know. But you don't even have to explain. Just say, what's the best deal you guys can make us? Let's cut to the bullshit. What's the best deal? How old is your grandmother? 68. All right. Tell him, listen, my grandmother's almost 70 years old. Yeah, I'm here to help you guys and help her. Is what, what can we do? What's the best deal you can put on the table to clean up this situation? All right? That's where you got to, excuse me, that's where you got to start. All right? The, the issue, too, is nobody's paying the rent, too. Well, who's living there? The whole family? Who's living in the house? Oh, uh, whole families. Yeah, like three. Well, well, the one is like a 
three fam no more, all three are three family ones. Listen, right now there's plenty of assistance available for anybody to go get help with their rent. So all three of those houses, whoever they are, should be going and getting some help and pay her some rent money for living there. She needs to go cut a deal with the bank and get it because otherwise you're gonna lose that half a million dollars worth of equity. Alright? Right, right. You got to mm-hmm. go cut a deal with the bank, and everybody that's living in the damn house has to start paying rent. All right? You got to clean up the mess. It's a mess. And you got to step in and clean it up. It's worth 500 grand for you to go in there and clean up grandma's mess. Could be worse. It's a big mess. <laughs> it could be worse. You could be in diapers. Then you really be cleaning up two messes. All right, get in there and yeah. clean the mess up. All right? You can do it. You're a smart guy. Get in there, get on the phone with the banks, make a deal, tell everybody living in the house. Are you living in one of those houses? Tell the truth, don't lie. No, no, no. Okay, listen, tell everybody in the house, listen, you gotta pay rent, all right? If you don't pay rent, then you gotta go and I gotta find somebody to pay rent. You're gonna lose the freaking houses. Grandma's gonna lose the houses if you don't pay rent. She's gotta pay the bank. The bank's gonna take the house, and then she's gonna, uh, God forbid, she passes away, and we get nothing. So anyway, clean up the mess, all right? Get in there and do it. You can do it. All right? Thank you, thank you. All right, good luck to you. you Take care. Thanks. Also, also, Ben, let me tell you something. Where's your I never see your wife, Carla. Where's Carla? I don't know. She's busy. You know, my wife's going through a rough time right now. I don't want to get too personal, but, you know, she had to take on two other children in her life to take care of. And, you know, she's really... Great person for doing that. She's taking on two other kids that are, you know, family kids, but, you know, it's a lot, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and uh, she's got her hands full. She's got this kid's going here, this kid's got to go here, you know, she's going to, you know, different places, daycare, got to go to sports, whatever. But she'll be around. Hey, at least she's oh. home every night. That's all I care about. As long as she's yeah. home every yeah. night, I'm happy, and she cooks <laughs> dinner every night, I'm good. Otherwise, thanks yeah, for asking, yeah. and uh, take care. Good luck like to you. You need that dinner, Ben. I yeah. don't know what's happening with the gym. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right now, I'm so depressed, I can't even pay attention. But, uh, all right, well, good luck to you. Clean the mess up. Get Grandma straightened out and get that money. Will do, Ben. All right, good Thank luck. Thank you for calling. Bye-bye. Thanks. What else you got? Anything else? Grandma's in trouble. Eight uh, years without paying? Crazy. Man, you know how much money she saved on eight years of two and a half million dollars, and the rate was probably six or seven, eight years ago, or six or five. Holy macaroni! But hey, you can always work a deal out. You know, banks will make deals with you. They don't want the houses. By the time the banks get done with it, uh, five hundred thousand over three houses, about one hundred fifty thousand each house worth of equity. By the time they foreclose on her, go through all the bullshit with the brokers, try to sell a house. Go through the courts. It's not working for them. It's better for the bank to make a deal. It's better for her to make a deal. What do you got? Anything? Nothing. Yeah, David G. Thanks you for the $5. This. You're supposed to do Never came across this motherfucking video. Nigga got me mad like this. You faggot motherfucking bitch. That's what you is, Charleston White. That's what the fuck you is, nigga. Okay? How many times I got to make videos about your bitch ass, nigga? How many times I got to check your bitch ass? I told you, motherfucker, to watch what the fuck you say, you dumb motherfucker. It's a bitch.
bitch ass nigga. I don't agree with no motherfucking nation of Islam. The reason why I don't agree with them because they don't believe the same thing that the regular Muslims believe. They are not Sunni, okay? They don't believe what we believe. They don't believe in life after death. They don't believe in judgment day, nigga. The Quran says clearly talks about judgment day and warns you of judgment day, motherfucker. All these books warn a judgment day, okay? Now you sitting here taking a risk talking about God and saying that he don't exist when you don't know what the fuck is out there in the motherfucking universe, you dumb motherfucker, okay? You ain't been on this motherfucking earth, nigga, no more than 40 or 50 years, you old dolphin looking motherfucker. Probably younger than me. I'm about to be 50 motherfucking years old, nigga. And your ass looks 65, motherfucker. Dolphin ass motherfucker talking all that motherfucking shit. If I don't got nothing good to say about somebody, I'm not going to say nothing at all. If somebody come at me and they got a problem with your bitch ass, then I got to come back and check your dumb ass again. Until you listen to what the fuck people are saying about your stupid ass nigga. Remember when we was taught by niggas. What you think niggas used to do when they serve white folk? What you think niggas used to do when they served white people, homie, when they was in them kitchens by themselves? And them white folks sitting out there, you think them folk wasn't spitting in their drinks and they food and shit just to get back at them? So I don't trust them people, homie. I see how they treat us. So I'm gonna be, you think I'm gonna be comfortable to go in there and let them people cook behind her and not let me see it? And they so good, homie. They can duplicate anything. They can, they can, they can make a bootleg Gucci. They can make anything, nigga. They can make a human. They so smart, Shaw. So if you think they can't make rat taste like chicken, if you think them people can't make rat taste like chicken, human meat tastes like pork. They have bought. Over 80% of America's beef and chicken processing plants. The fuck would they do that for? Why would America sell their beef and their chicken processing plants to China, homie? Them people take our food and send it back to their country and then send it back to us. Before you ask anybody for one thing, make sure you give 10. And be proactive. So many times people, oh, if you need me that, just let me know I'm coming. No, say, yo, I'm here. What you need me to do? Mm, I like that. And, and be intentional about your relationships. Every last thing you do should be intentional. You shouldn't leave your house unless it aligns with your goals. No matter who you're dealing with, it has to make sense. That's the only way you can trim the fat. I say I like I would rather throw away a hundred pennies to get four quarters. Surround yourself around quality people that's gonna help you get to your mission, who think like you, who move like you, who's gonna make sure they push you and motivate you. Cause sometimes who's gonna motivate the motivator? Yeah. 
So you got to have those people that's going to be a cheerleader. So when shit hit the fan, you got somebody that's going to support you. When your back is against the wall, you have people that's going to jump and defend you. And just go at it, man. Don't give up to get what you what you need and what you're looking for. You know, the day that you gave up could have been the day that you made it. I love it, man. Listen, you can't close out a podcast no more, no better than that. Listen, man, go follow my brother Spectacular, man. Do me a favor. Go get you some social proof, man. I want you to go build something, okay? Lock in. Be consistent. Be persistent. Focus on your relationships. This is one of those podcasts you probably need to li- just listen to for the whole month, okay? Just listen to it <laughs> because there's so many uh, gems being dropped. So go get you some social proof, okay? Go build something, and I want you to uh, come back to the community and teach them how you did it. We are out of here. Peace. What if I told you for $1, I will introduce you to hundreds of entrepreneurs every single morning this week from all across the country. You'll be able to talk to hundreds of entrepreneurs and I'll coach you. I'll coach you for a dollar this whole week and I'll introduce you to some of my successful friends for a dollar this week. Would you would you take part in that? Well, go to themorningmeetup.com because that's exactly what we're doing here, okay? The only organization that gathers entrepreneurs every single day for the betterment of entrepreneurship, okay? Every single day, Monday through Friday, we gather, we're growing, we're learning. We got a book club. Have you ever seen hundreds of entrepreneurs reading the same book? Every single chapter, every single day, we're growing together, okay? You need the environment to grow in. TheMorningMeetup.com, a dollar. I'm going to give you all this for a dollar. If you want to stay, great. It's $79 a month after that. If not, no obligation. You can leave whenever you want, all right? TheMorningMeetup.com. I'll see you in the morning. I ain't ain't got no leader. I come from some old niggas don't hear nothing Farrakhan got to say. And I ain't never heard him say kill no white person, huh? Now, I don't promote killing in nobody. But nigga, I done participated in some things. <laughs> I done participated in some things, nigga. And what I participated in and what we were doing to white people who we thought was our enemy based on what we heard the old niggas say, man... I don't hear Farrakhan or no other person talk like that. They ain't really mad at white folk. So I'm saying, oh, man, he talk good for them jailhouse niggas. They don't have no identity as no man. I don't speak Arabic. I don't know now slave that did. I told you I can trace my name back to the plantation. And I talked to people that were born in the 30s, in the 40s, right now today. And they say, no, nah, man, we don't want to hear nothing them niggas talking about with no Koran. So, you know, what changed for you? Like, because you said you was practicing. Yeah, yeah, I was Muslim. So, I didn't want to stop eating pork. Yeah, I was mm-hmm. a Muslim who never quit eating pork. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, I snuck and ate it for a while. And since I was the gang leader... I said, fuck it, yeah, nigga. I ate pork in front of them niggas. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, they came, they had a pizza party one time. And 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 them niggas had an all cheese pizza that was Muslim. And that motherfucking pepperoni and sausage. XA. <laughs> <laughs> yes, go get it, right? Or, man, I got we got this project, you know, this looks great. What do you think about it?
or hey spec um this was wrong and this was wrong i don't know what to do next what do you think we should do next so all of that goes out the window it's no this is what i tried i tried this this and this and this works now just letting you know or i tried this this and this and it I'm stuck now. But you're more satisfied because we went through some innovations of trying to figure this thing out. Right. I'm stuck, and this is the solution I'm thinking of. If you come to me with a problem, you should be coming to me with a solution. Don't come to me with any problem without a solution. Oh, golly, this is heavy. And I just realized that I haven't been focused on speed, me personally. So I have this course, and I shot the course. It's pretty much done. It's just, you know, it's done now, and uh, we're we're getting ready to release it. But it was supposed to be ready for Black Friday. Mm -hmm. Well, it's supposed to be ready in, like, April. Yeah. I shot the joint. It was, I shot it. Supposed to be ready, like, April, May. Then... It was supposed to be ready for Black Friday. Then it was supposed to be ready for Christmas. Then it was supposed to be ready for the first of the year. But I haven't been focused on speed. You would have been fired a long time ago. I would have had to fire myself. <laughs> because it's like the funnel people and the emails and all that kind of stuff. No, I, I'm being literal. You got to fire yourself. You're holding yourself back. That's the issue. You got to put somebody in place, leave them accountable, give them a deadline, and tell them they need to make it happen. Mm. It would have got done a long time ago. I need to focus on speed, bro. Mm-hmm. Dang, this is good. Building your team out. Because if you build your team out and you leave them accountable for it, then they have to make the deadline. It won't keep dragging. It's only dragging because you're the owner. You're the CEO. So you can drag your own stuff and not be accountable for it. Or you can just get an accountability partner. That's another game changer. And put money on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You ain't going to lie to yourself. You get your accountability partner every single week, Tuesday at 12 p.m. Pacific time zone. Get on the call. You're going to talk about relationships. Your, your relationship. You're going to talk about health. You're going to talk about learning in your business. Those are the four things you're going to talk about. And out of those four things, you need to put a dollar amount on what's what, whatever is the most important. And if that course is that, then you need to put $100, $200, whatever's going to make you move. You need to be accountable. How you be accountable, you got to lose something. That's how you move. Yeah, big facts. Oh, my God. All right, so, so tell me about the academy yeah. and why you built it. Right, so the reason why... I built the academy is because every successful business is solving a problem. And I feel, after having numerous conversations with people who went to college, college is literally scamming people. It's set up like a scam. We're going to give you information that you don't believe in (laughs) because if you believed in it, you have a money-back guarantee. What do you buy without a guarantee? 
Name one thing other than school that you will buy with no guarantee. Mm. I have a product. The product is the school information. If you believe in it, say, yo, this don't work for you, you get your money back. Mm. That'll leave them accountable Mm -hmm. to making sure that's A1, Right? Making sure they put accountability behind the information they teach it. It makes it better that way. You have more success stories. And I think if a professor know the book from the front cover to the back cover, then why he ain't in the Rolls Royce? Why he ain't in the brand new Tesla? Why he ain't like, why he's struggling? If If he know everything, so... That shows that that information in that book ain't everything. Mm-hmm. And if millions of people graduate every single year, why it's not millions of more men, uh, more millionaires based on the graduates? I ask in my training, I do a training. Whenever I do my training, I say in my training, do you think college was worth your investment. I would say 100% of the time, I get like 99% hell no's. <laughs> so what I decided to do was, I decided to do something about it. I'm not a talker. I don't really talk much. And even like people's like, oh, spec, you work in silence or you like, you move in silence. When I don't try to work in silence, mm-hmm. move in silence. It's just like, I just, I'm just straight to it. Like, let's mm-hmm. go. So that was a problem. So I wanted to do something about it instead of just talking about it. So I went and created my own, my own business school. So, all right, I created my business school. I preach never reinvent the wheel. Mm-hmm. Success leave breadcrumbs. Yeah. That's what it is. So I went to Harvard. So I was like, oh, everybody all, you know, geeked up about this. You went to Harvard? I went to Harvard. You know that? That thing was everywhere. I don't know. Whatever. But yeah, I went to Harvard. But I went to Harvard. He was smart, yo. I knew it. Man, this is crazy. <laughs> I went, so I went to Harvard. Unbelievable, right? That they managed to kind of resuscitate themselves and transform themselves. But they had... They might be uh, sui generis, you know. It's maybe they were just in such an unusual position and had were so deeply rooted in so many parts of the world and had such a deep bench that that was possible. But the rule is, you don't get to. It's not going to last longer than a generation or so. Maybe that's maybe part of the answer is that's fine. As long as you don't think about Google, as long as you think about you, right? So um, years ago, I remember doing this. It's the first time I, this was hit home to me. Um, I went to Rochester, and in Rochester, in uh, used to be a high technology hub, right? Kodak, uh, Xerox, Bausch and Lomb. But one of the biggest employers in Rochester, high-tech employers in the 1960s, 
was uh, General Dynamics, I think General Dynamics, one of the big defense contractors. They employed vast numbers of engineers. And they basically, their business model implodes after the Vietnam War, and they shut down their operations in Rochester and moved away. And everyone said, oh my God, it's over, right? One of the biggest employers in town has folded. And what happened if you went back 10 years later was you discovered that the talent that left, that was kicked out of General Dynamics, went on to start so many startups in Rochester that they sparked a whole second wave that ended up actually being, um, in terms of employment and income brought into the city, greater than the benefit General Dynamics had, had risen. In other words, so Google may f fall one day, probably will, but you won't. You all guys will all, hopefully, many of you, will go on and do other incredibly cool things because of what you, in part, what you learned while you were here. So you, you can look at it two ways. There's a pessimistic view, but there's also a view that says, no, it's part of the natural cycle. You probably don't want to be working at Google. Am I, is this horrible to say? <laughs> um, 25 years from now. You know, you... And nor does society want you to be if, if this company doesn't evolve in dramatic. Maybe it will. I mean, I'm just using Google as a stand-in for, let's use another company. Let's say, <laughs> let's say Microsoft. I mean, at this point, would the world be better off if Microsoft disappeared tomorrow? Yeah. How many... How many unbelievably talented people are trapped working on the umpteenth version of Word? <laughs> right? Like, that's not a good use of 150 IQ points. Um, so I don't, you know, I would, I'd be, I would be less, um, I'd be more kind of sanguine about this problem than you might be at the moment. Awesome, thank you. <laughs> I can't think of a better note to end on, so... I challenge any grown man, homie, on this internet talking, nigga. Produce... This how you separate the man from the boy. Nigga, get out them corners. Take that camera out that corner and flip around, let's see how you niggas living, homie. For you to have so much, see, this is what make me such a bad motherfucker. And I, I, yeah, I can pat myself on the back. See, because I can stand on this shit, my nigga. All the shit that I'm saying, I can stand on. I can pull your news articles. Man, I've been doing this. Man, let's come over here and do this. Come, I can do that. They can't, homie. They got to put themselves in front of the camera and talk for drama. I'm talking for change. It's just I got a bunch of niggas bringing a bunch of drama to me. I came to the internet positive. But I got so much hate on the internet, nigga, I'm going to reflect what's before me. I'm going to reflect what's before me, nigga. And you think I'm going to get an internet the real me? They going to keep getting this goddamn character that they tuned in. They'll never get the real me. Or the, the stories that you're picking 
are the most representative of the yeah. phenomena that you are trying to describe because uh, you could probably find a story to fit any theory that you want, yeah. one yeah. story. Yeah, um, yeah you can't, I mean, that, so the, there's a whole set of trade-offs here. Um, storytelling, by definition, has one great disadvantage, which is you are representing a single narrative, a single experience. Um, on the other side of the equation, the story has a massive, storytelling has a massive advantage, which is there is no better way to communicate and move people than through story. Um, so you're, what you're look, what I've always tried to do is, the reason I try to balance storytelling and kind of social science research is that I'm trying to find some kind of middle ground. I'm trying to find an observation that is being made in the literature or by academics and to illustrate it by means of a story. So it's, it's rare that the story comes first. It's not that I hear something cool and then hunt for data to fit that. It's the other way around. I look for an idea that's been expressed in academia and I say, well, how will I, uh, how can I make that story uh, resonant? Um, uh, I make that sort of observation resonant. So you, you, you hunt for stories that match this kind of um, uh, idea that you feel has some um, firepower behind it. Um, so there's, but you know, that said, it's a necessarily imperfect process. All my books are massively imperfect. I don't imagine that anyone will ever agree with 100% of the things in my book. I don't even want them to agree with 100% of the things in the book. It, it, that, that's not what you, what, you, you're not looking for converts, right? You're, you want people to start conversations and um, uh, people, writers who are looking for converts are scary. Um, I think you should, what you're looking for is you, wanna, you want people to engage with the ideas and say, you know, I, I did a, a piece for the New Yorker couple weeks ago about uh, doping in sports. And I happen to be, I'm a big runner, I happen to be I'm a huge fan of track and field. If my favorite runners were found to be using some sort of PEDs, I would be devastated. Nonetheless, my piece is all about, look at it from Lance Armstrong's point of view, right? Or look at it from Alex Rodriguez's point of view. I was simply pointed out that the arguments that we use to justify our prohibition on performance-enhancing drugs are really lame. They're insanely lame. And you can't run around you know, condemning people and suing them and putting them in jail, whatever we do, on the basis of insanely lame arguments. So lame argument number one, for example, the one that I cannot get over is, in baseball, you are allowed, if you're a pitcher, to replace your ulnar uh, collateral ligament in your elbow, which is the principal ligament you use when you throw a baseball, to take it out and replace it from, with a tendon taken from another part of your body or from a cadaver, if you so choose. 
this tendon will, will have performance characteristics that are infinitely superior to the ligament that nature gave you. You can swap it out, bring in the bionic ligament, extend your career, be able to throw the ball harder, and what do we do? We think that's fantastic. We embrace 75% of pitchers in the major league have had this procedure done, right? No one, that's an eyelash. The guy who pioneered the procedure is considered to be a hero, blah, blah, blah. Alex Rodriguez is a baseball player who decides to take uh, it, uh, uh, testosterone. A naturally, nat he's not taking something from a cadaver. He's taking a naturally occurring hormone approved by the FDA and available through prescription to everyone in this room. And he's decided to take it. And what happens? He's considered to be a massive villain. Lance Armstrong takes his own blood, his own blood, and re-injects himself with his own blood. And he's considered a villain. So wait a minute. On the one hand, people are importing uh, tendons taken from cadavers, right? Which profoundly alter the performance characteristic of the arm they use to pitch. And that's fine. But you can't take your own blood and re-inject yourself with it. And if you do that, you're a cheater. Explain to me why that's, you know, I am perfectly willing to go after Lance Armstrong once someone explains, once someone makes sense of that contradiction. So, there is a case where, do I expect to convince all of you of this argument? No. But if I force, by writing stuff like that, force people to just sit down and actually come up with better arguments for why we hate performance-enhancing drugs, then I will have succeeded, I think. Uh, I guess uh, that gives us a new benefits idea for Google bionic <laughs> ligaments for, for our software engineers so they can code faster. <laughs> um, <coughs> uh, you, you talk about how lots of studies in academia never find it to the outside world. What can we as society do to improve the chances of that, right? Because there is so much knowledge, and it seems like it would be useful in everyday yeah. life. Um, it's a really interesting question. Um, the, in general, uh, I think we have to understand that the unbelievable, right, that they managed to kind of resuscitate themselves and transform themselves. But they had, they might be uh, sui generis. You know, it's, maybe they were just in such an unusual position and had, were so deeply rooted in so many parts of the world and had such a deep bench that that was possible. But the rule is, you don't get to, it's not going to last longer than a generation or so. Maybe that's, Maybe part of the answer is, that's fine, as long as you don't think about Google, as long as you think about you, right? So um, years ago, I remember doing this, it's the first time I, this was hit home to me. Um, I went to Rochester, and in Rochester, 
in the, used to be a high technology hub, right? Kodak, uh, Xerox, Bausch & Lohm. But one of the biggest employers in Rochester, high tech employers in the 1960s was uh, General Dynamics, I think General Dynamics, one of the big defense contractors. They employed vast numbers of engineers. And they basically, their business model implodes after the Vietnam War and they shut down their operations in Rochester and moved away. And everyone said, oh my God, it's over, right? One of the biggest employers in town has folded. And what happened if you went back 10 years later was you discovered that the talent that left, that was kicked out of General Dynamics, went on to start so many startups in Rochester that they sparked a whole second wave that ended up actually being, um, in terms of employment and income brought into the city, greater than the benefit General Dynamics had, had risen. In other words, so Google may f fall one day, probably will, but you won't. You all guys will all, hopefully, many of you, will go on and do other incredibly cool things because of what you, in part, what you learned while you were here. So you, you can look at it two ways. There's a pessimistic view, but there's also a view that says, no, it's part of the natural cycle. You probably don't want to be working at Google. Am I, is this horrible to say? Um, 25 years from now. You know, you... And nor does society want you to be if, if this company doesn't evolve in dramatic. Maybe it will. I mean, I'm just using Google as a stand-in for, let's use another company. Let's say, <laughs> let's say Microsoft. I mean, at this point, would the world be better off if Microsoft disappeared tomorrow? Yeah. How many, how many unbelievably talented people are trapped working on the umpteenth version of Word, <laughs> right? Like, that's not a good use of 150 IQ points. Um, so I don't, you know, I would, I'd be, I would be less, um, I'd be more kind of sanguine about this problem than you might be at the moment. Awesome, thank you. <laughs> I can't think of a better note to end on, so... So I can figure out their systems. Mm -hmm. And then care about the information. I wanted to know their systems. How was they teaching? How did the profession break? Like... What was the type of questions the professor was asking? What was the curriculum? Like, how did they break their stuff down? And I took everything that I felt was the best from that situation, and I implemented it into my online business school. Mm -hmm. And they teach based on case studies. So I took that element, and I added that element to my business school. They have professors but I'm a strong believer in you can only take me as far as you got yourself. Right. So how are you going to teach me how to have a million-dollar business if you never had a million-dollar business? If I want to get to $100 million, how are you going to teach me how to get there if you've never been there yourself? 
Mentors are the GPS to success. That's how you're going to get there in a record-breaking time. They're going to talk to you and tell you what moves to make, how to get there the quickest. So when I realized that, I said, okay, I'm going to replace the professors and I'm going to add millionaire mentors. Mm. People that's already where you want to be at in life based on the skill set. So not putting somebody in there to talk about all topics. Only talk about the topics that you're proficient at. So if you're proficient at sales and you did $40 million in sales, come here. Come sit in the seat. I need you to teach my students. You do marketing, or you, or you spend a, mil, a million dollars in a month. Oh, okay. Come sit down, and teach my students how to do Facebook and Instagram ads. I like. Or you a leader? Okay. I mean, people you lead. Oh, two. You lead two thousand people, and they're gone, gun ho about you. All right, come on. I need you to teach my students how to do leadership. And so on and so forth. And that's how I built out the academy. So you're learning from real life people who are killing it right now. Not the, I'm going to get this information. I ain't going to tell nobody this. You know those people. I ain't going to tell nobody this. Ain't nobody going to know about this. And they keep it to themselves. And that's what keep us back because we get the information and we get told the game is to be sold, not told. Don't introduce them to the plug. When I go with Kit, Katie and Mary and them, they introducing me to every goddamn yeah. body. <laughs> so just implementing what I've learned from that and put accountability into it. Giving them their own mastermind groups where they meet once a month. They talk about their issues, personal, business have a sounding board, giving them uh, a way to uh, have micro micro goals instead of massive goals. Because in life, you got to have micro goals so you have micro celebrations until you get to that goal. But we demotivate it until we get to that main goal because we didn't get to it yet. So we get turned off. But if you got little micro goals, you're getting celebrations and you got the morale still up until you get to the big goal. Mm-hmm. So I, I put that into the school also. So not only you got the accountability, but I make everybody get accountability partners. Second thing is making sure they know how to execute on their tasks. Call it the power list. This is and fire, then, bro. This is crazy. And then, <laughs> funny, man. And then you have the millionaire mentors. And then we have, we give everybody, we, we, we dedicate everybody to a, a main person. So if they have questions, they can get unstuck. Because a lot of people give up because they're just stuck and they got questions and they ain't got nobody to talk to. So as soon as you get into the program, you do your orientation. Just like a college, just like this is a university. Uh, orientation. We're going to map out how we do things. What's our core values? How we rock around here? How we support each other? So if somebody falls down at the finish line, you dusting them off and say, come on, let's go. We got this. They give you a problem, you shoot them back a solution. No judge zone, and we build a community, right? And then you have that. And then after that, you get a welcome call. We welcome you. Welcome to the family. Let me know you need anything. I'm your designated contact. We rock with you. Wow. 
wow. Q&As twice a week. Whatever questions you got, we had to answer them for you. Amazing. We ain't leaving until you ready. And then I jump on and I do a set. I meet all my students. Talk to my students. We talk. Our conversation. I want to know about you. What's going on? Why did you purchase the program? All right, what's going through your mind? How can I help you? What are your challenges? And really know and understand who I'm marketing to so I can know exactly how to deliver the best product to them. And on that note, they can text my number, 786-661-1224. Text me the hashtag masterclass and just text me masterclass. Is there anything we could just like special for our listeners? Okay. Matter of fact, don't text that number. All right. <laughs> we'll, we got we'll, some. We'll, so just click the link below. Okay. It'll be in the bio um, or, or it'll be in the caption. I just want to be able to do something special for the listeners, man. Because, I mean, they've been studying at your feet for the last almost hour and a half. And, I mean, you're really, really dropping gems. And I just want to know, you know, if, if there's something that we could do. I don't know, but click the link. You know, if there's something that we can do, it will be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A little link right somewhere. Yeah, a little link somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Speck. All right. Um. Okay, so how many people are in the university? 7,000. Got 7,000 people? Well, Harvard before Harvard became Harvard. Self-education is key. Which means this thing works. Oh, for sure. You don't get 7,000 people in a For sure it works. For sure. Dang. So if, you know, normally, if, 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 if they're bargaining against, uh, if they're loaning you money against a certain rate or a market, and right now markets are like zero, so you should get really good loans. I mean, you know, but they're not gonna give away the farm. You know, I mean, I don't know what your assets are. It all matters, but um, you should definitely uh, try to bargain with every bank. You know, don't be afraid to bargain, and don't be afraid to get a second opinion. Because then you can play them against each other. <clears throat> but it didn't seem unreasonable what they were asking. I don't know what your assets are, but, you know. All right, good luck. You have a call. We have a call. I don't believe it. Somebody's calling. Hello. Hello. Hey, how are hey, you today? It's Ben. How's it going? Good, good. What can we do for you? Uh, so I'm, uh, I'm actually from Toronto, uh, and I worked in a, uh, an investment shop in real estate here for the last four or five years. I got together uh, with a partner that's going to provide uh, a significant amount of capital as well as debt for us to start buying U.S. multifamily assets. And so the first place we started looking uh, was in St. Pete, uh, St. Petersburg. And I wasn't sure. We're, we're looking at either uh, larger assets, like 100 200 doors at a time or we're going to buy like a large number of kind of 10, 10 to 20 unit assets. Uh, and I was curious, He's you know, breaking up multi family deals, what you would suggest. Listen, don't come over here to St. Pete trying to buy my goddamn deals up. You stay in Toronto and buy some shit. I'm just kidding. <laughs> 
I'm joking. Uh, Come on, help Canada people got watching this. Since you humor like ours. <laughs> All right, so you want to come over to St. Pete and buy up some of this good old American real estate, huh? You know why? Yeah. You know why everybody he wants to come here? Tell him why you uh, can't buy it in Toronto. Uh, all the upside is priced in, and we have red controls. It's called 